Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Red Cup Podcast, Podcast Rebellion. That was a good good intro, a good opening uh, to this this recording and bodes well for how the rest of things will go. Uh, I am Juco All-American, joined here by Whiskey Wednesday, uh, and we have a lot to talk about. Got some some awesome news uh, out of the portal. Just another uh, series, another in the series of great news. In that uh, Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg are committed to Ole Miss. They're enrolling uh, tomorrow. Based on when we record this, it may be uh, today when you listen to this. Uh, they're enrolling Monday, January thirty first, uh, and. That's great. Let's let's talk about them real quick. I, I don't want to just sort of rehash all the news, but uh, worth talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really, a crazy sequence of events that led to Ole Miss getting Jackson Dart. We had um, a lot of irons and a lot of fires trying to find uh, some competition for quarterback next year, and ended up with you know one of the best results conceivable um not only getting a a, you know really promising young quarterback with you know three years of eligibility left but also getting sort of a package deal with um a tight end and michael trigg a a piece that lane kiffin has been missing um you know and another freshman uh incoming who who could be here for you know a couple more years at least so i think he could be magnificent uh, michael trigg i mean Ole Miss last season, not just at the tight end position, lacked players who could just make stuff happen when they got the ball, right? And uh, th- that's not to take anything away. Like, Jerry and Ely did great. Uh, you know, Snoop Connor w- was was really, really good there. But, like, it wasn't like there was a threat that's just like, boom, get the ball in his hands and he's going to make something happen. Uh, I guess Dontario Drummond was a little bit of that, but he was, you know, in and out of the lineup based on his injury. Mm-hmm. And I think Ole Miss was mi- missing that. Like, it doesn't matter if the play breaks down. It doesn't matter if his guy has him, he can make something happen. And I, I think that Michael Trigg is, is that possibility, right? I mean, I, I'm not saying that he's like definitely a superstar, but I, I think he has the potential to, to do that. Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you a question actually, uh, cause I was thinking about this the other day. Um, in your mind, and this is not about like what the the Ole Miss coaches how they how you think they prioritized. How would you have prioritized the quarterbacks, uh, and and where would Michael, where would Jackson Dart have fallen? No, uh, knowing all things now, kind of looking back on the overall recruitment. Yeah, I think he would have been the number two guy who entered the portal. You know, other than or behind Caleb Williams. Uh, obviously Williams had a, a tremendous year, um, since Spencer Rattler to the bench, uh, at Oklahoma in a year where, I don't know, I, my impression, not really paying attention was that Rattler just wasn't doing well, but he was doing okay, but Williams was just better. So I think he's kind of the clear number one, but mm-hmm. behind that Jackson Dart comes in pretty strong. I mean, there's also Quinn Ewers who I think might've been like the second rated, uh, quarterback in the portal, he but was, but you would prefer Jackson Dart. Over Dylan Gabriel, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, watching Gabriel, I mean, he has the look of a G five quarterback who shreds at that level, but might not have the same success uh, in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could be wrong. He could shred it at Oklahoma, um, but that's the kind of the impression that I have. Um, and then, <laughs> like the fact that Dart comes in with you know three years of eligibility left, and also brings in his friend who looks to be a great tight end. Right, um, right. That's pretty hard to beat. Yeah, I think um, for me it goes Caleb Williams. I guess I, I mean Quinn Ewers. I know that he's ranked really well, and I guess I would have loved to have him, but it was just he was in the portal for like two days and then transferred to Texas, so I, I didn't even like ever consider him as an option. Sure. Um, but I would actually say that Jackson Dart and Dylan Gabriel, in my mind, were kind of equal uh, in that I think Dylan Gabriel would have been better for this coming season. I think that, you know, he was, he's experienced. He uh, already knows this offense and, or a similar offense to this and, and all of that, uh, which would have been probably better served in the win loss column of this coming year. But I think that Jackson Dart 
despite the fact that Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Dart both have three years of eligibility remaining because of weird COVID stuff, um, I think that Jackson Dart is a better long-term play than than Dylan Gabriel. So I do think that on some level you're sacrificing the immediate short term, but eh, whatever. Like this this next season was going to be a a step back no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Um, going to be it, – it's crazy how much Ole Miss loses, but it's also crazy how much they add. So um, just an incredibly exciting offseason, very stressful for a while <laughs> when it seemed like a lot of cards were being played and you know we hadn't found a quarterback yet. We're missing a bunch of other pieces, but it's come together beautifully. So. Yeah, you actually went through the dominoes last podcast, and I want to say it was like 10 minutes of just like – and then this happened, and then this coach left here, and this – player went here and uh it, it was very very wild but mm-hmm. i think at the end of the day you know we're, we're left holding jackson dart and michael trigg and that's a pretty great spot to be in there's one other player who may be coming uh enrolling tomorrow monday uh actually I, I would say should be uh despite the fact that he hasn't made a public commitment or anything that is georgia tech defensive end jared ivy um and he was at the basketball game on saturday he is expected to just sort of show up on Monday and enroll, um, although that hasn't been formally announced or anything like that. Uh, it's tough to imagine it going another direction based on timing, right? Yeah. Like, he, tomorrow he, is January 31st. <laughs> there, <laughs> there are not many options to go elsewhere. And it seems like uh, this is a, a very likely thing to happen. And, and the listeners, it will have either happened or not by the time people listen to this. Uh, yeah. So that's that's an interesting thing. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Jared Ivy? Because yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I think he's an interesting prospect uh, to catch everyone up who isn't aware. He's six foot six, two hundred and seventy five pounds. Uh, was a basketball player. Uh, was a red shirt freshman or a true freshman last year? He was a red shirt freshman. Yeah, this yeah, past season. Yeah. He had thirty ish tackles, uh, one point five sacks. Um, yeah, but really showed a lot of promise. Was starting as a redshirt freshman in the ACC, um, and he's also a, a body type that we really don't have on the defensive line. Um, he's sort of that strong side, you know, uh, defensive end and a four three uh, that kind of body type, which we really don't have. And we may be moving to some four down lineman sets next year, so that could be a really useful piece to have. And and yeah, just another example of a guy with a lot of eligibility left who already has experience. Yeah, I think that he's a really interesting story. Uh, in high school, like you said, he played basketball and football, but he was like. 220 or something like that coming out of high school 66 220 so you go like defensive end like that doesn't make sense i mean to give you to give some context uh, i was reading an article uh that georgia tech themselves put out as like a puff piece about how awesome he was a year ago um and it said that in a high school game he had a 360 dunk in a game <laughs> and he is now a 275 pound defensive end um so obviously there is uh, a level of athleticism there that's uncommon. Uh, and he came out as this relatively scrawny, I guess 225 is not crazy, but relatively scrawny uh, high school prospect and quickly added a bunch of weight and was a starter as a redshirt freshman. That's that's an amazing, amazing jump at, at Georgia Tech, you know, an ACC program. And I know the ACC isn't the SEC, but it's a huge step up uh, from from what he was doing in high school. And so It'll be really cool to see how he's able to transition uh, in, into the SEC. And that actually gets us to a, an important thing. And I have it on down a little bit later. I'll, I'll move it up in our in our show notes. But I think that there's an opportunity there to, to talk about position battles. And we can start with Jared Ivey. So let's say that Jared Ivey comes in, uh, assuming he does. Cedric Johnson is on one end as a defensive end. He's not. No one's going to beat Cedric Johnson out. I, I think that he is an established presence. He had like seven sacks last year, uh, which would have been like the second most we've had in year in like eight years or something like that. But uh, but Sam Williams was also on the team. Uh, but opposite of him, it's like Tavius Robinson. Uh, I think. The, the one game Taiwan Taiwan Malone played, he played a defensive end position in the in the three two six. Uh, there's Iton, I guess. Uh, 
uh, Jamon Gordon or like these are all sort of defensive tackle, defensive and tweeners. And I think Ivy has a real possibility to to seize that job. Um, I know players don't typically transfer to, to not start anyway, but uh, I think it should be a fascinating thing to see kind of how much or how quickly he's able to take over there and what that ultimately is able to like lead to from a, how does the rest of the defensive line shake up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot of unique guys that we have in the defensive line room uh, from a you know size and skill set perspective. And uh, I think that allows them to do a lot of different things with personnel and, you know, formations and stuff like that. So uh, for those who are you know really paying attention to you know how the, the defense shakes out, that'll be super interesting. Yeah, uh, the next the next position battle to talk about is uh, Luke Altmaier versus Jackson Dart. Let's let's get into it. So uh, Altmaier, I think we've both said several times, Sugar Bowl wasn't as bad as his QBR uh, coming out of the game. I think that two picks, trying to make things happen offensive line getting obliterated on every play that's a recipe for disaster so it it, but it's still you know it's not like he had done enough to prove that he didn't need competition so bringing jackson darden makes sense i think a lot of people are um making the assumption that jackson dart is the definite starter uh and i i really haven't decided which way to go kind of in that in that camp do you have any kind of expectations around that specifically I think Kiffin will keep it pretty close to the vest. Uh, I think you kind of have to, to respect both players, to give both players a real chance. Um, So I I think he won't announce a starter until relatively close before the first game, if at all. I don't know. It feels like Kiffin's a guy who uh, operates on his own timeline. Uh, I, I expect some competition. Um, Altmaier knows the receiver room better. He knows the offense better. Um, he's he's rated pretty high in the same class as Jackson Dart, right? Or was he in the class before? Shoot. Uh, no, it's no, the same but, class. Yeah, same yeah, class. Yeah. yeah. So they're in the same class. Uh, rated pretty high. Dart was rated higher, but not you know markedly so. Um, yeah, it's not. I, I think that maybe some people are under the misconception that. Jackson Dart was like the number one quarterback, a can't miss prospect or something like that. That wasn't really the case. Yeah, he was um, very, I mean, very similar to, to Matt Corral. And yeah, I think it's reasonable to expect kind of a, a similar um, level of talent you know, next year from either Dart or Altmaier. Uh, I, I think we'll see something similar to what we saw from Corral early in his career. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um yeah, I hadn't really thought about this, and I don't know that people have really mentioned or brought this up, but uh, everyone has talked about how we have the first the first six games are relatively easy uh, as part of the schedule. I wonder if there's a scenario where those first six games we see uh, Altmaier and Dart play a good bit both and kind of sort things out as the season goes on. Uh, in an effort to one actually figure out who's best, but also two make both feel as if they had kind of a, a decent chance or a legitimate chance, and and not kind of transfer at the la- at, right before the season starts and kind of leave us in a difficult spot. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very delicate thing to manage, but you know it's it's very plausible something like that would happen. You know, especially if the competition is actually close, and it it very well could be. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so one position battle that to me is not open and shut, but is only between transfers, <laughs> uh, is Jalen Knox versus um, Jordan Watkins uh, in the slot. So both are seemingly both are our slot receivers. Uh, we have Jalen Knox. Let me look up his height at six feet tall okay so i mean you know maybe not quite as much as i thought but i i think that's what he played at missouri uh, during his time there and then we have uh jordan watkins at i think he's listed at 511 you never have any idea kind of how accurate those height listings are uh 
So I guess the question is, do you do you think they have different games? Or <laughs> I don't want you to have to speak to something that you don't feel comfortable kind of answering. But uh, do you have any insights into those two players and and what to expect? It's been hard to say. I watched some highlights of Watkins and. I don't know. It's hard to get really a read on what his game is based on the plays that I saw. I, I saw them kind of give it to him on some, you know, toss jet sweeps and stuff. I saw him, you know, beating his man deep. So it, it definitely looks like he has speed, but I, I don't know. He was, you know, new enough at Louisville where I don't think we got a, a great look at his skill set and, you know, the, the few clips that I was able to watch. Sure. He was, he was only a redshirt freshman this past season. I, I, yeah. I had the same thing. I mean, he ended up with over 500 yards receiving, which is cool for a redshirt freshman. Uh, but when I went to kind of like try to find film, I could watch entire Louisville games <laughs> if I wanted to do that. But I'm sorry, this is not my full time job. Uh and everything else was kind of limited. Um, you know, he, he did have uh, long plays. So it, it, it seems as if he's kind of a shifty type of guy, which is cool uh, and definitely what you want typically out of the slot. Jalen Knox, who sat out all last year uh, because he transferred in at, at a weird time and something to do with academics, but I really don't know anything about that. He could be the most brilliant guy. I have no clue. Um, he played a ton at Missouri um but you know still like his yardage totals are all for all three years were in the three to four hundred yard range um I guess it's possible that and this is something you and I haven't really talked about but it's possible that he gets shifted outside solely out of necessity yeah absolutely there's a lot of uncertainty there and just the receiver position in general, um, how that's going to shake out is a huge question mark because there are a lot of guys in the room, but there's not a lot of clarity in, you know, who the top guys are and who the second guys are. Um, yeah. And at, at the more out wide positions, I think you and I both have the same feelings on Jonathan Mingo generally, which are like, uh, we're not convinced that he is who, a lot of people seem to want to say that he is already. Uh, I think that he's definitely one of the best receivers on the team, but I don't think that he's definitely a great receiver. Uh, yeah, he really comes and goes. He'll, he's had some incredible games at Ole Miss, and you know he's had some games where we really needed some production, and he you know had almost none. Right, uh, but he sort of like steps in as a de facto starting wide receiver because there's not enough competition in that room. Yeah, absolutely. And something interesting to consider, the first couple of years under Kiffin, there's been a very small rotation at wide receiver. Yeah. Um, and I think that's because they were three pretty clear cut guys, uh, those first two years. Um, but now I don't think that's going to be the case unless we you know, have some portal action after the spring, which I you know hope we do. Uh, but I think we could see a, a scenario where there's a lot more of a platoon kind of situation where guys play a lot more. So this kind of like position battle conversation might not be as relevant because they might just be running guys in and out all the time. But yeah, we just right. have no idea uh, how that room's going to shake out. Yeah. Uh, another receiving position tight end. Uh, it seems like potentially a two or three person race. So obviously Michael Trigg coming in to start, right? I mean, that, that seems likely, but it's not as if he comes into a room that doesn't have anyone else who has, you know, done it before. Right. So there's Chase Kelly who, uh, you know, started a ton of games and, was fine. I mean, Casey Kelly. Sorry. Oh yeah. Sorry. Casey Kelly. Wow. Chase, Chase Rogers was the, uh, was the right, other. right. Um, Casey Kelly who, who started a, a bunch of games and was fine, but you know, not incredible. And then there's Hudson Wolf, who was the number one tight end in his class, actually rated above Michael Trigg, but had some sort of back injury. And we don't know how, how he's going to come off of that. Uh, so, I think it's interesting that we have this mega potential Michael Trigg 
tons of potential Hudson Wolf, and then Casey Kelly, who has just produced fine. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how they bring along and how that rotation kind of shakes out. Yeah, you got to think that Trig will play quite a lot. But yeah. I'm not writing Casey Kelly off as the primary starter. Um, I think Trigg will have more receptions and yards, certainly. Um, but Kelly is a crushing blocker. Um, he's pretty reliable. He has a ton of experience now. Uh, and, you know, for a walk-on, I think he's probably one of the better walk-ons in the country, regardless of position. Uh, he's super good for you know <laughs> a guy who who hasn't been on scholarship and and i think he'll he'll remain a guy that that plays quite a lot um but yeah how how wolf mixes in will be really interesting you mentioned his back issues i know that when he got to ole miss he you know for a while he was not medically cleared uh, i'm right. not sure exactly what his situation is but um yeah i think looking at highlights trig is clearly the the better receiver probably more speed um more yeah i mean wolf was never expected to be that anyway i think that he was expected to be uh if we have to think about any every player in the world and their corresponding hall of fame nfl player (laughs) then he is the uh gosh oh the cowboys tied in jason who jason yeah he's jason witten right like he is that that mold of a tight end who is a uh quite good blocker quite good receiver not the like you can put him out wide and they have to respect it kind of player right so yeah you, you can take it to the bank he's jason witten um <laughs> On the offensive line, staying on offense, the only offensive line position that seems to not be sorted out is at right guard, where Eli Acker is the presumed starter because he started, I think, the last six games or at least five. Um, But Cedric Melton and I think Jordan Rhodes, although people keep saying Jordan Rhodes is able to come back, and I guess maybe he is, but... I was under the impression that this was like his fifth year, final year. Uh, anyway, so let's we can talk about Eli Acker versus Cedric Melton versus Jordan Rose. Rhodes. Um, Cedric Melton performed relatively well early in the season in a battle at left guard. Uh, I think he was also injured at one point over the course of the year, so he wasn't able to compete for the right guard spot that Acker ultimately fought uh, Royce. No, not Royce Newman. Uh, he, he, uh, that Acker ultimately won. Uh, and I wonder if that's decided and they're just going to roll with it or not. The offensive line did get eaten up in the bowl game. I don't, I'm not sure that's necessarily Acker's fault. I think the tackles actually really struggled the most. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on the guard position. Yeah, it, I mean, there's also – a pretty important piece that has been speculated, but not confirmed that Nick broker will move inside to guard. Um, right. If he does, I mean, he'll start at one of the guard positions, but if he yeah, doesn't, he be- there are, you know, two position battles. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, given that we signed Mason Brooks to come in and, and plug in at a tackle spot, you got to think that's probably the, the move since Jeremy James is also good enough where he, probably shouldn't be expected to move anywhere. Uh, so yeah, I think we're, we're looking at mostly the battle at probably right guard. Um, Jordan Rhodes, you mentioned the eligibility question. I, yeah, I, uh, did some research on that recently. If he has another year of eligibility, it would be because of the COVID year. Um, but I, I keep hearing him and seeing him, you know, mentioned as a guy who's going to be in the room next year. Uh, so I guess until we hear otherwise, uh, we'll roll with that, but yeah, very confusing. And then there are a lot of guys that we just haven't seen yet. Um, that, you know, may still have a chance to, to put their names out there. Uh, Carter Colquitt, I think played a good bit, um, in the bowl game. Uh, and then there's several other guys who are still just, you know, in their finishing up their first or second years in the program and still have plenty of time to, uh, to go out there and, and, uh, compete. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, switching over to defense, I, I didn't necessarily know where to put this, but JJ Pegues is going to compete somewhere. 
Um, I guess he's another one of those players who, because of his size, but also his agility, he kind of could play a defensive end in a 3-2-6, but maybe there are scenarios where he plays a more traditional D-tackle kind of role, certainly if there are, if there are four down four down positions but also or formations but also even in sort of a three two six definite passing situation you know maybe he makes sense as as the nose tackle i i had him competing with katie hill i don't think that really necessarily makes sense but i kind of i'm not sure where to slot him in yeah um it's hard to really know where the the coaches heads are at um because again i i mentioned a couple times they may move to some four down lineman sets and stuff like that and it's i mean there are situations last year like pass rest situations where cedric johnson is playing in the middle uh so you know they clearly move guys around a lot and it's hard you know it's hard to really nail down who's going to be where. And they also, you know, platoon guys quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I have him sort of penciled in as a guy who's definitely going to be heavily in the rotation along with Katie Hill, Isaiah Iton, Jamon Gordon, Taiwan Malone, probably. Um, those are the guys that I think are going to play the most um, outside of those kind of rush end positions, Cedric Johnson, Tavius Robinson, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's in there somewhere, but we don't know if he's going to be the first guy they roll out or, you know, what. Yeah, yeah. So then it seems obvious that at the linebacker positions, of which there are two, uh, Troy Brown is almost – There's it's, it's impossible to see a scenario where he doesn't start, right? I don't think so, yeah. I think he slides in and, and does what Mark Robinson did this year. Uh huh. Uh huh. So then the question is, opposite him, there are kind of th- three people I think will be in contention. Other than the freshman, I'm actually not. I don't want to put any expectations on any freshman um, based on Kiffin sure. historically, really. Um, but it's Austin Keys, Ashanti Sistrunk, and Reginald Hughes uh, for battling, in my opinion, for that other linebacker spot, and. We've seen some things from Keys. We've seen some things from Sistrunk. We've seen nothing from Hughes. Hughes was lightly recruited junior college player. Uh, Maybe based on my username, listeners can understand that I am typically anti-junior college player. Uh, But it's not like he walks into a crowded situation. Yeah, and it's really hard to know with him. It's one of those low drama recruitments that uh, almost makes the player fly under the radar. Mm-hmm. It was one of the situations where he showed up at the camp, Ole Miss coaches liked him, he committed, and then didn't do anything else. So who knows? He may be fantastic, but um, he was squared away and never mentioned again. And <laughs> yeah, uh, But yeah, you're right. He comes into a basically a four-man rotation for, for two starting spots. So he's going to play almost regardless, unless we have, like you said, a kind of a super freshman, but you know, linebacker is not a position where you really expect freshmen to come in and play a lot. Um, so, you know, he'll be up there, but yeah, linebacker also another spot where they could very well be looking for, uh, another portal guy after the spring. Yeah. I have to imagine that even those freshmen are going to get tons of opportunities to prove themselves against like, I haven't even I haven't memorized the names of the FCS or low D1 opponents that we play, but let's pretend Austin P we're playing them again. Yeah. Uh, you know, against the Austin P's of the world, you have to think that they're going to cycle through some of those guys and kind of see what they can do. Yeah. Okay. Then in my opinion, the last real battle, I, I think that most of the defensive side is actually sort of, I'm sure the coaches would argue that there are plenty of battles and anybody can steal anyone's spot, but the only battle in my opinion that like seems likely to go either way is in this star position uh, that's vacated by Jake Springer, uh, Ishim Young versus Ladarius Tennyson. And I know that you and I came away from, I actually watched a good bit of uh, Ashim Young and, and Iowa state tape highlight films uh to be able to try to guesstimate where he was and i kind of think that he or i know that he lined up a good bit at that middle safety position but 
there's so much shifting uh, among all the safeties in the 426 that it's kind of hard to figure stuff out. And it seems that with Otis Reese, with Tysheem Johnson, and with AJ Finley already kind of almost assured of starting roles, that we can really just say the fourth safety position is uh you know is is anybody's game between Aishim Young and Ladarius Tennyson but they're both transfers in yeah absolutely and yeah I think they're both guys that that really you got to find some way to get them on the field a good bit um especially sure yeah and 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 of course of course that'll happen right based on the the amount of subbing that happens in the 426 yeah yeah definitely or 326 sorry yeah um, I mean, I'm a huge Ashim Young fan. I think that he has to be on the field almost all the time. Um, so that sort of suggests where I think that uh, that competition would go. But, uh, you know, Ladarius Tennyson is a really intriguing player, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you mentioned that Young played a lot at the middle safety position. Um, Otis Reese has played at least some at the star position too. So like they're, mm-hmm. they're really just going to have to see who they have and where they fit in. And um, it could be a situation where we see a bunch of different, you know, or a bunch of shuffling throughout the season. You know, we did that this year, especially when Jake yeah. went out um, just trying to kind of scramble and see what works the best week in and week out. And I think that's probably very likely because there's a lot of good, but unproven defensive backs in, you know, in, in the, the club. Or at some point does Otis Reese, uh, you know, in some formations or something sneak up and play a linebacker spot uh, in order to kind of like get the, the players they need on the field all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, I just have a list here of kind of a number of players that we haven't talked about as part of these position battles who really could use this spring to get involved in those position battles. Um, so I, I have it phrased here on the show notes as critical spring for, and, and this list of players, but I don't mean this as a negative, like if things don't work out, then they're, you know, they, they're a waste or something like that. that. That's not at all what I, what I think. I just think that this is, they have a good opportunity ahead of them to kind of become part of, of a rotation that loses a lot of players. And have some ability to do that. Uh, so first on the list is Kentrell Bullock. We've heard nonstop about how he's just like super duper fast running back. Uh, Henry Parrish is gone. Jerry and Ely is gone. Snoop Connor has gone. Zach Evans is in. I think you and I both think he's going to be a fantastic starting running back. But yeah. this offense requires more than one running back. Absolutely. Yeah, it really it'll be interesting to see how much of a bell cow Zach Evans is willing or able to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that he's, you know, they're going to want to maximize his uh, explosiveness, you know? So yeah, his efficiency, some other guys Um, and, and Bullock has a chance, like you said, this spring to really solidify himself as the second guy. The only other two options in the running back room right now. um, Sorry, I'm shifting around tabs. Quinn, Sean Judkins. Yeah, there's Quinshawn Juggins, who's going to be an incoming true freshman. I can't remember if he's uh, admitted early, so he'll be there for spring ball or not. I believe so. I believe Um, so. Yeah, that would be huge. Um, But the only other guy is Isaiah Woolard, who took a red shirt this year, presumably to enter the transfer portal. But that uh, he probably wasn't banking on all three guys ahead and ahead of him leaving. You know what a guy Isaiah Woolard is like. I'd love to just talk to that guy and kind of find out what his experience has been like. Cause you know, as a freshman, as a true freshman, he rushed for a hundred yards against who was it? Auburn? Uh, like Scotty Phillips got hurt or something. And Isaiah Willard came in, in a pinch and did really well. And then Ole Miss recruited Jerry and Ely and Snoop Connor. And that was kind of it for Isaiah Willard. Um, mm-hmm. and he just stayed. Yeah, yeah. He's a guy that we offered at the last possible second in whatever yeah. class he was in, but he's good. He's not bad. Uh, no, yeah. Especially, like, I don't know. He's not – I don't know. You don't want him to be your, your lead back, but he's a guy who seems to maximize – uh, his opportunities and, you know, to you know, make sure that he doesn't lose yards. Uh, he, you know, gets downhill and is seems like 
pretty smart and efficient. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I just looked at it. Yeah, his freshman year, it was actually Vanderbilt who we lost to in overtime. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, his freshman year, he had 16 carries for 107 yards against Vanderbilt. Um, <laughs> but that that actually wasn't like he had five. He rushed for over five yards a carry in that season. Mm-hmm. He had 84 carries for 428 yards. It, it's not like this guy, like, oh, this is like a storybook. One game when the when the running back inex- unexpectedly went down, they looked to the end of the bench and he was a lot. No, like he he actually did really well that year. Uh, but the problem is he went from 428 to 31, uh, yeah. and then zero in 2020, zero in 2021. So yeah, fascinating dude. Um, lots of names to get through. Uh, Brandon Mack and Jacavius, or I'm just going to say Jack Brown, uh, uh, both kind of defensive players that were talked up at various points um, and haven't really played, right? Like, I think Brandon Mack played a good bit as a freshman. Uh, in fact, I think he started a game. Um, but then in 2021, he didn't play or didn't record a tackle, at least. Uh, Jack Brown as well. He was a four-star linebacker coming out of high school in a room that needed linebackers until uh, things got solidified with Chance Campbell and Mark Robinson. And we never even saw him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been interesting. There, there are a few guys like that on the team, guys who were, we were really excited to sign, but just haven't really had the opportunity yet seemingly. So, I mean, Mark Britt, you know, I was actually thinking about Mark Britt the other day. Um, Cause I think he was a super highly rated uh, safety or was he a wide receiver coming out of high school? Jeez. I can't remember. I think he was listed as an athlete, uh-huh, uh-huh. but was presumed a receiver. Yeah. So he's a safety. Um, and I was thinking like, Hey, this guy's like, he was supposed to be this huge talent and like, we never even see him, but, and, and we run the four two six, which runs a bunch of safeties. Like you would think that if he was any good, we, he'd be playing a lot, but Actually, I don't necessarily know that we can hold it against him. Um, the the place where Ole Miss needed a lot of depth from the safety position was in the like star uh, middle safety kind of get in your face, be great in run support because there are only three down linemen and and two linebackers, and that's not Mark Britt's game. So yeah. he's sort of he was competing with AJ Finley, Kedron Smith, Otis Reese. Uh, I guess mainly those three and he's not going to win that competition, but that doesn't mean that he's bad. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's confusing too. Actually, I think Britt is currently listed as a receiver on the roster. Let me, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Let me, let me double check. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so that, that makes it even more intriguing that he hasn't seen the field and especially, you know, given his talent, given the early reports that he's doing really well. Yeah. He's, he's listed as a receiver right now, but mm-hmm. he's also number 14. So <laughs> that, that could be, uh, yeah. Due to, yeah. uh, the ability to switch him back and forth without needing to change his number. So you don't have a, a you know, safety wearing number 83. Uh, yeah. Whatever. I mean, other, other, uh, defensive backs that have an opportunity now because of, a lack of corners and also, you know, some safeties who have, who have now left, uh, Derek Bermudez, MJ Daniels, Trey Washington, Kendrick Breedlove. Those are all guys who, whose names are worth knowing. Uh, and you know, there are ways you pass forward for them that you can see them making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And they were guys that were highly recruited, you know, maybe not, like solid four star guys, but the kind of three star guys that have a lot of SEC offers. Um, right. And Trey Washington played a, a good bit, especially early in the season. Once mm-hmm. Jake Springer came back, I think that, that was kind of like the end of Trey Washington's major contribution. But I think that he was a, a promising player and, and did well in limited action. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Kendrick Breedlove, I think, is known as a speedster, which is always nice to have at a, at a corner position. So <laughs> I know that this is a guy who you love because his name is uh, adjective is an adjective uh, demon clowny mm-hmm. <laughs> demon clowny uh, you know the the prized recruit of Kennedy or Kennedy <laughs> Kiffin's first class never plays right 
Yeah. Um, and I know that he suffered from suffers from being small and, you know, needing to play a defensive end position. But Ole Miss is in need of a guy who can get to the passer now with Sam Williams gone, right? And yeah. this is his chance. Yeah, absolutely. It it seems like he is supposed to have really good um, you know, pass rushing moves, I guess. Um, so, you know, we'll see if he can put on a little weight or, you know, if he can just produce despite being a little little light for the position. But yeah, this is this is his year. Yeah. Uh, defensive tackles to leak Robbins and Taiwan Malone, both, uh, again, this is not like this. I'm not saying this is a make or break spring or anything They're They're going to enter next season as redshirt freshmen. That would be crazy to say, but, uh, you know, the, the defensive line group at Ole Miss is not likely to get, or I guess the pool there is not likely to get shallower, right? it is likely to continue to increase in the number of potential actual players on the defensive line. And so that means more competition for those guys. So this is a chance for them to take the year that they've already been in the program and use that to their advantage in jockeying for position. Yeah, absolutely. I think Malone, I don't know. I would be shocked if he's not heavy in the rotation. Yeah. Uh, just too talented. He, was there an injury issue with him? Yeah, I think he like broke his foot or something like that. Okay. So yeah. it, it, it was not an injury that uh, anyone expects to be lingering or anything like that. Um, but yeah, kind of really decimated him for his first year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's too talented. Um, Talik Robbins, though, also super highly recruited. I think was a four star according to a couple of services, but mm-hmm. had great offers. And um, yeah, you, you think he'll he'll get on the field. Um, especially, I don't know, we have solid guys, but not superstars on the defensive line, which really lends itself to just rotating a lot. I think mm-hmm. we'll continue to see that. Mm-hmm. So last three players that I, I feel kind of have a critical spring. And I, I for one of them, this is obviously a make or break spring. That's Quay Davis. Uh, but the other two are, are freshman receivers, Braylon Brown and J.J. Henry. Uh, Quay Davis uh, is returning for his senior year having been a junior college transfer who I don't think actually played, or if he did, it was only on special teams uh, this past year. Mm-hmm. Interesting story for him, because I think that uh, we heard coming out of spring practice last year that Quay Davis was this receiver who could make stuff happen and would be heavily in the rotation. And, and that was not like, or it didn't seem to be coming from sources that were like a coach speak kind of thing. Um, but then just never played just really, really strange to see a Juco that we took instead of a four star wide receiver who was in high school and wanted to come, uh, just, just interesting to see him do that. Braylon Brown and JJ Henry, Braylon Brown got derailed. I think he was injured. Like the, the first week of August, he, we heard about highlight plays from him, like every practice and then he got injured and, it was like a lower leg injury. Uh, not, I don't think it was a knee injury or anything like that. But again, it was something that like, okay, well, considering that we have to run every day and you have to run every play and cut and all that kind of stuff, like it was just not going to work out for his his freshman year. But it's frustrating because I think that he could have been really, really helpful. And J.J. Henry, who was my favorite receiver signee uh, in that class based on his, his film – I think I read that he ran like 16 routes or something uh, this season. Didn't have a catch. Um, So with the receivers leaving and plenty of receptions to go around at the moment, those three, they've got to be licking their chops to see who kind of winds up as a beneficiary. Yeah, absolutely. You're right about Davis. It's crazy that he didn't play. I, I would love to talk to someone within the program who knew what the deal was with, with him. Uh, <laughs> Cause yeah, I loved his highlights too. He looked like a guy who was in that sort of um, catch and run mold. He's like 
maybe only six foot one or something, but like 210 pounds or so. And like, looks super muscular, looks super explosive. And like, we really needed that and, and didn't see it. Um, Henry uh, might have a tough time getting on the field a lot just because he's a slot guy and we have a lot of guys there. Um, but I don't know, Braylon Brown, you gotta think he's gonna, step in and play quite a lot just given the the need that we have for guys who can stretch the field for guys who can uh play outside and you know you know cause matchup issues and um stuff like that yeah you got to think that that he's going to be heavily in the rotation but yeah those those three guys are going to be jockeying really really hard for for a lot of snaps that are now available yeah i I agree and uh, you know if the receiving rotation opens up a little bit, we can see all three of them playing a decent amount. Um, sure. Obviously, the Natera Drummond and Braylon Sanders are gone, but so is Jacor Pearson. So it's not like you know they're only the ordained starters headed into last year were are the ones that are need to be needing to be replaced. There yeah. really aren't, other than I guess Mingo, there aren't like any proven players who can shoulder the load when they need to at that position. Yeah. Yeah. And then John Rice Plumlee, Plumlee too, who didn't have a ton of catches, but did play a lot of stuff. Yeah. Played a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think we can wrap up with some of kind of what, what we expect to be next. We've had this huge amount of stuff happen. Uh, and oh. certainly one thing that's not on the show notes, but needs to, needs to be said is shout out to Lane Giffen. Uh, I think, when you compare the way that fan sentiment was three weeks ago versus how it is now, astonishing, you know? Oh yeah. I, I, I can say for me, I mean, I wasn't in the, the sky is falling. This is going to be a disaster camp. I, I was in the, let's wait to see how the rest of the off season goes camp, but I didn't expect it to go this way. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I was close to being in the disaster camp. Uh, just like the way things were unfolding, I was feeling really not good about it. And he just blew away all expectations. So, so yeah. way to go, way to go lane. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he really, he really needs our approval uh, yeah. to feel good about himself. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he'll be really happy to hear me say that. <laughs> um, he's a, he's an avid listener. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, a few a few next steps things to monitor as transfer portal season is over until the spring right um until we kind of see how things shake out in other ways players cannot enroll at Ole Miss after January after Monday um so it may seem like there's not as much to follow but Ole Miss still needs to hire a special teams coach so I, I know there's some some split opinions about this. Are you of the opinion that Ole Miss should hire the best coach to coach special teams? Or are you of the opinion that Ole Miss should hire somebody who is okay at coaching special teams, but can help us recruit really well? I think it is a position. It's sort of like a free play, you know, it's a wild card, Uh, (laughs) Uh, especially for Kiffin, right? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, we've seen past Ole Miss staffs where they didn't have a special teams coordinator and everyone helped with the unit. Um, I don't think Kiffin will do that, but it is kind of a thing where you could bring in someone who has experience coaching defense. Uh, you could bring in an ace recruiter or, you know, mix of those two. I, I can't see... Kiffin really emphasizing someone who, you know, is a, a special teams wizard, because what is that even? <laughs> right, uh, right, right. <laughs> I think yeah. he's going to find a, a young guy who deserves a spot as a position coach and can also recruit. Yeah, I actually think um, that you do need to have somebody who can coach okay uh, in terms of special teams. Like, you don't want to get, you don't want that unit to be a disaster for you, right? Especially sure. on returns. Um but I think the heavy priority has to be towards recruiting. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. And then lastly, last thing to cover is it seems like there are, depending on a few developments, there are either four or five scholarships left after all these transfers are done and everything like that. Um, what would you prioritize with, with those? Linebacker. I think that 
not only is there a, a starting position that seems to be totally up for grabs, it's also a really small rotation of guys. Um, so I think linebacker and then outside wide receiver um, are the two biggest ones. Yeah. Uh, there are, I don't know. I, I, it seems like the staff was targeting cornerbacks to try to bring in a cornerback. Um, so that's got to be somewhere up there. I don't perceive that's the biggest p- position of need, which is what you asked me. Uh, <laughs> but but that's somewhere in the mix. Also, I know we said we wouldn't place anything on freshmen, but the staff believes that Davis and Igbenosin is like a top 50 player in the country. Um, and he's 6'2 and plays corner. So, uh, you know, maybe they prioritize it a little bit less because they know what they have coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think wide receiver is most important. Um, I hate that they have continued to miss. I, I think this is actually – that's the only frustration I've had so far from a position unit in the portal is why have we consistently seen these like proven outside receivers or – outside receivers that are just oozing with talent, but like played at Alabama or something like that. Why have we consistently seen those players enter the portal? Ole Miss coaches go after them and just seemingly not even consider Ole Miss. Maybe they, maybe they come for a weekday visit or something like that, but that's it. Um, Like we we have nothing returning (laughs) have to find an outside receiver. Uh, yeah, it is like what you think you're not going to catch balls here, like right, like <laughs> right, or like are you looking for a better conference? You know, like the conference. I mean, yeah, I, I guess I, I guess it's possible people were kind of waiting to see like Jackson Dart. Now we have a, a quarterback that is appealing to some receivers or something, but I don't know. I mean, I think you can point the same at Jackson Dart as you can at Luke Altmeyer in terms of a receiver's interest. For sure, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think there's any reason why something hasn't worked out so far. It's just been one of those weird, confusing things. And, and it, it seems like we had at least one guy totally lined up in Dion Smith. And then the kind of rug got pulled out from, from under them when it was you discovered that, you know, he wasn't going to get in because of his academic progress or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, I don't know, it's easy to have your eggs in one basket when it comes to recruiting. It's hard to recruit, you know, a ton of guys for one spot, you know, that's going to blow up mm-hmm. in your face a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like, I don't know, just sort of a bad luck thing, but hopefully something they can resolve after spring. Yeah, they, they need to, I mean, I think it's the, the most glaring need on offense, certainly. Um, okay. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, thanks for joining me today. And uh, yeah, we'll have some more, Coming up soon, we're probably going to end up doing these. I, I know the first time that we did one, uh, that Whiskey and I did one, uh, we kind of said we weren't sure how often we'd do them. I think we'll. it seemed like we're ultimately going to end up doing them probably once a week, uh, although we both do heavily skew more towards football news. So if the well really dries up in football, uh, you may see us stagger a little bit more. Um, just being honest. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, that's it. Thank you so much for joining and uh, we'll we'll be with you again soon. <laughs>